Um, so for quite a while now, we've been studying the book of Mark and um, this whole storyline of Jesus. Uh, we are finishing off the book today in Mark 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark 16 or the scriptures are on the back of the outline as you follow along. This is really kind of a two-part sermon from last week uh, as we started with the beginning of Mark 16 and we'll close off with the last several verses. And last week, the storyline went something like this. Uh, Jesus had been crucified. Uh, the Marys and uh, Salome had gone to the, um, to the uh, tomb. They showed up. Uh, Mary Magdalene is the main uh, theme in this, in this story. And the, the stone was rolled away. Uh, Jesus' body was gone, but the scripture says that there was a young man dressed in a white robe who was waiting on her. And um, we had the conversation last week discussing the, the interesting dynamic. We know that this was Jesus speaking to her, but he used the wording, uh, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, which is interesting because in this moment, Jesus is separating Jesus the man from Jesus the Messiah. And... Um, Revealed her, himself to her, um, told her to go back to tell the disciples as well as Peter um, that he has gone ahead of you to Galilee. Um, and if they would go there, they would see him. They would find him. And there were, two, there were three huge points that, that we made at the end of the scripture that, were kind of, that could be very personal uh, that we want to build on today. The first one in, in verse 6. Um, the first thing he said to her was, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. I think it's one of the greatest words we can gain whenever we, um, we, we see Jesus or we come in contact with God. In fact, throughout scripture, anytime anyone ever came in contact with God in one form or another, the first thing that hit them was fear. And rightfully so, if you were to see the magnitude, the magnificence of God... Uh, firsthand, that would be pretty overwhelming for our minds to, to capture. But I think also, um, if we were to relate it to our own lives, whenever I run into God, it scares me because I'm afraid he's going to ask me to do something. I'm afraid he's going to mess up my life. I'm afraid he's going to take control of something I don't want to give him control of. And it's interesting how when God really moves in our lives too, that things don't always go like we expect them to. And we're, we're, we become afraid of that. But the response is always, don't be afraid and I'll be with you if you stay with me. So the key is staying with him as well, right? But also the first thing is, is when God is revealing himself to you through Christ, first thing is don't be afraid of it. The second thing is to know, it says, tell them he's gone ahead of them in the Galilee. Second thing is to know that, uh, he's, that he has gone ahead of us, that he is there, he is present. Okay, he's not behind us, lagging along. You're not dragging Jesus by the hand, trying to keep him up. That he has gone ahead of us. And then she said the last thing was, if you go there, there you will see him. That when we respond, we will see him there. Um, and we talked about the difference between having a scenario in your life that seems confusing or frustrating or, what, or whatever. And we need answers. And that there's a huge difference before, between just going and looking for the answer and going and looking for him. And realizing that if we see him, we will see the answer. So our, so our task at hand in those moments is not just to figure it out and get the right answers. The task at that moment is to pursue Christ with everything we have, with the confidence or the, at least the hope of knowing that, um, that he has the answer. So that's what we talked about last week. And then it goes straight into the next part of this scripture. And it's really going to talk about building on last week, building on the idea of faith. 
and evidences of faith are the evidences of believing. How we come to the point of actually believing uh, something is true. Um, and the role that faith actually plays in our lives now. Because what they were struggling with here is they no longer saw Christ. He was no longer among them as he had been among them his, their whole uh, on their journey. And they needed to see him, although they couldn't see him. And it's so interesting as we think about our lives. We're in that place where we've been given the Holy Spirit. But we still have to work so hard in our faith. In fact, we pray, hopefully, we pray for more faith and to believe. But there are a handful of things that we get to do. And we need to see faith as a gift. Here's what I mean by that. There are a few things that we do that are by faith that we will no longer be able to do one day. One of them we just did. That we were worshiping about who God was and his, what his work is and what he wants to do. Do you know we were worshiping in faith? One day we will no longer worship in faith. We'll worship in knowing. And I was thinking one day when we're in heaven and we're singing to God and he's there. And we're like, wow, no wonder, you know. Um, what kind of emotion, I don't want to assign him human whatever, but how would God feel about that worship versus the worship if we poured ourselves out the same way just in faith as much as we did just pouring? Because he's, he's no less God now than he will be then. But we worship in faith and what a gift and what an opportunity that is for us to live out and do these things. We, we are obedient to him in faith now. One day, Bible says, every tongue will bow, every knee will bow, every tongue confess, right? So at that point, it would no longer be faith. Everyone will know. They won't help but kneel. They won't help but confess because they see it as truth. So our journey is learning faithfulness in faith, learning obedience in faith, even gaining peace and comfort in faith. But how does that grow? And how do we know that he's truly there? Well, it's really important that we understand, I think, as we look at the teachings of Christ throughout the New Testament, and even uh, uh, as we look in the Old Testament, that whenever God is at move, there's a work that is happening in us. And whenever we just feel like God has left us behind and he's doing his own thing and he doesn't care about us anymore, one, we're deceived because he does. And two, God is always working in us. So if we're not seeing it, it's quite possible that it's not that he's not working. It's that we're not seeing it for whatever reason that might be. So we're thinking about faith. We're thinking about um, the reality that Jesus have, has risen from the grave. And we have a reality that Jesus appeared to Mary. Mary goes back to the disciples and he tells them, she tells them. And what did they do? They don't believe. They don't believe her. And I was thinking, why wouldn't they believe her? This is what they've been looking for. Jesus even told them in three days and all these things. And so, but they didn't believe her. And then we have other stories where others saw him on the road to Emmaus. And they came back and they didn't believe him. And so today we want to look at this idea, this journey of learning to believe and learning to see. And the implications of the different nuances on how, how our journey goes and how God is leading us into different places at different times. And so let's just read through this scripture. And there's a few handful of things that I want to pull out from each section and then just allow um, maybe God to personalize uh, this for you as well. So we're going to look at verses 9 uh, through 20. And if you have the outline, it's on the, it's on the front and then there's an outline on the back inside your bulletin. So let's look at that. But let's pray first. 
um, before we read the scripture. And God, I pray that you would make this very personal, the scripture right now. God, we don't want to take away or distract from the bigger story that you did what you said you would do. And that through your death, um, your burial, your resurrection, through your resurrection, you, you give us hope and you give us life. And God, we know that that's what your story is, that you, you, you've, you've reclaimed your sons and daughters. You restore us. You, um, you restore your creation. And God, we just get to be a part of that journey. God, help us to see where, where, we're, where we're missing it. Help us not to miss out, not just on knowing what it is, God, but the, but the peace and the joy that is supposed to come with it. So help us see some truth in your word today, God. And uh, may we not just hear it, but may we feel it and may we know it. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 9, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Why did they not believe it? Let's do a little back and forth for a moment. Why would they not believe what, these, what, what this woman said? Let's, let's take it different. If you were them, why wouldn't you believe it at that moment? Because in your mind, you saw him die. And what's the significance of that? What's that? Yeah, we don't understand that, do we? That's divine. That's not earthly. That's not worldly. And right away, we see the huge difference between, and we read a scripture last week, and we closed with it, where, where God just says, hey, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's, it would be hard to believe. I would be in the same scenario. I might, not, I might not believe that right away. What else? Say that again. Hmm. Do you mean in her life prior to... Yeah, did you guys hear that? Maybe, maybe they didn't trust in her because of her, the history in her life. Wow, that's good, Kirk. I mean, why would they believe, why would they believe her? She was... Right, yeah. Yeah, good. What were you saying over here? Yeah. Yeah. Wonder if he, wonder if he felt abandoned and, and felt like, you know, that all they had invested in, their lives poured into this guy, and now he's gone, and they're by themselves. I bet you... I think they felt some woundedness in that moment. I think you're right. What else? Pride. Probably so. Wouldn't you be a little embarrassed? Are you telling everybody, no, this is him. We're falling around. We're one of his dudes. We've been fighting for position. All of a sudden, he's gone. Yeah, I wonder if they had just lost all hope. I wonder if, if faith for them was gone. But they had this really strange opportunity because someone was testifying about something that, they, that had happened. And it was so gone that they had a hard time believing in there. I think one of the reasons why it, wasn't it, why it was hard for them to believe was just simply in all of these reasons because they didn't see it themselves. 
All these things, someone else saw it and we didn't see it. Whether that triggered pride or it triggered anger or it triggered fr- frustration or whatever it may be, um, there is something powerful about a firsthand experience, is there not? Look at what happened with Mary. She knew, she believed, she saw it. She was empowered. She went and she became a messenger, told him exactly what he was, she was told to say. She was very faithful, very obedient because she saw it firsthand. A couple of lessons I get out of that first scripture. The first one is, is that there's something empowering about making it personal. Mary here was empowered because it became one-on-one, very personal. We did, uh, we had baptism last week. Many of you guys were there. And I just, every time I see that, I think about there is another person who is making it personal. That they're not holding Christ and, and, and who he was and what he did at arm's length. But instead, they've decided to invite him in and, and to try and pursue him and to receive him for who he is, the Messiah. And when that happens, something personal, that's very personal, something very powerful happens. Jesus' baptism, the clouds rolled, away, rolled open, the dove ascended on him, and the, and the spirit ascended on him in the form of a dove. And, and you heard the voice from heaven, this is my son, who I am well, uh, who, who I am well pleased. What an amazing empowerment, that personal thing when it becomes personal. So first of all, there is something powerful. And I don't think it's selfish to want to see God firsthand. I don't think it's wrong as we think about all the things we need. I don't think it's wrong to be confused and to be frustrated or or, um, feeling abandoned at times. I don't think it's wrong to feel the emotions we feel when things don't go like we think they should or we hope they would. It's not wrong to have that feeling. But the danger then is just leaving it there instead of acknowledging that feeling and pressing towards Christ with that feeling that he might bring some some healing into it. But there is something empowering about making it personal. So I'm thinking about Mary. I'm thinking about the women there at the tomb. They're empowered because it happened to them, but then they go and tell someone else and they didn't believe it. And we think about the disciples here, that they just, they wouldn't believe. But here's the other thing that I came to mind when I read this is the second point is that not believing because you don't see, it does not change truth. I think we struggle that with a lot. We think, well, I don't, I don't want to believe in a God like that, so he must not be true. It doesn't matter what we think. If God is real, he is real. So truth is truth. So what we need to be doing is pursuing truth, not the answer we want or not the way we want. We should pursue him. And that was that biggest lesson from last week is that that is where we will find him. Go to where he is. That's where you will see him. And when you see him, you will see the answers. Okay. So there's something empowering about making it personal, but not believing because you don't see it yourself does not change truth. And why don't we miss it? When, when, when maybe God is speaking, we don't miss it. Why would we miss it? I think sometimes we're not looking. We think we are, we're not really. Um... Maybe we're in the wrong place, looking for the wrong thing at the wrong time. I don't know. Or maybe it's possible that you're not supposed to see it yet. And maybe it's possible that God is actually doing something in you in that moment. We have the opportunity to get it even though we missed it. Not believing because we don't see it does not change what is truth. So let's go on. Verse 12, afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. 
These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. These two that they're speaking of is referenced in the book of Luke. It's the road to Emmaus. Uh, towards the end of that, I believe it's in chapter four in, uh, 24 in Luke. You have these two guys who are walking along and Jesus appears to them and he asks them, he says, what are you guys talking about? And they go, are you the, literally, are you the only one in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on? And he goes, why don't you tell me about it? And then they went on to talk about this story, this story of, of Jesus and who he was and who he claimed to be. And they called him a very powerful man and, and a, a, a great prophet and all these things. And, and then he said, and then they, they say these words, he said, and they crucified him. He said, but we, we had hoped he was the one. So he was expressing there that their hope, their hope was fleeting. We had hoped he was the Messiah. They didn't know they were talking to him. So Jesus was walking along and scripture says that he said all that scriptures taught about himself. So Jesus shared the whole, all that scripture taught as they were walking, they told all of it. He, he, he shared it all. And then as they came to their exit and they were going to, you know, peel off. All right, see you, dude. Um, it, Jesus pretended to keep going. It's funny. That's a funny thing to do. But he, he acted as like he was going to continue on his journey. And they said, hey, why don't you come with us? Stay for the night. Have a meal. They invited him in, which is just a beautiful word picture on living out the gospel. Jesus didn't just show up in that moment and just shocking all these guys. He walked with them for however many miles. Just talked to them about the truth. We're just comforting them in that moment, giving them hope to the point where they invited him to dinner. That's a, there's a huge lesson in that. We could live and speak the truth and still be to a point where other people hear that or see us, see what we're about, what our posture is like, what our attitude is like. And, and they like it so much. They said, hey, I want to hang out with you more. What a great lesson. And then he was at dinner and Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread. And it tells us in Luke 24 that in that moment, they realized they were empowered. They were enabled to recognize who he was. And they saw him as Christ. The moment they saw him as Christ, he, he disappeared. So he came back and they told, this is what this scripture says in Mark, though they returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So here's their story. They see it, they hope for it, and then they were disappointed. And they even said out loud to Jesus himself, we thought it was going to go this way, but it didn't. Essentially saying, what do we do? They said it in these words, but we had hoped that he was the one. Here's a thought just from that point. That Jesus shows up in unlikely forms that confront our hope and moves us towards true faith. It confronts our hope. I usually wouldn't put those phrases together because sometimes we feel like all we have is hope and no truth. Um, and sometimes that hope needs to be confronted a little bit to really sift it through and to see where it can turn into faith in knowing even what we don't see. I think this is important to me because almost every time I'm looking for Christ in something and I don't see him, it's not because he's not there. It's because I'm looking for him in a specific form that it's quite possible he's showing up in a different form. 
I don't mean a different person or a different thing or whatever it may be, but it's quite possible. I'm looking at the scripture and I'm saying, why is Jesus not just showing up like himself? Why is he intentionally not allowing people to see who he is? Why is he coming in a different form? And I think each, each story and each circumstance requires a different piece or a different part of Jesus. I think it's quite possible that as we are searching for him, we go, God, I need you this way. Because we think we need him this way. And yet God is God who knows even better than us. And many times he goes, you think that, but what you really need is this. I need you to see me in this. If you'll see me in this, you're going to see the big picture, not just the moment today that's going to get you out of whatever. You'll see the big picture. He takes our hope and turns it into real faith. Verse 14, later Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. So finally, he just shows up to them. He doesn't show up in a different form. He shows up as Jesus. In fact, we know that in that moment, he shows up and he shows um, Thomas the, the holes in his hands. And what did he do? He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had, who had seen him after he had risen. It wasn't just that they didn't believe, that they didn't believe others. Isn't that interesting? Here's the next, the just next thought there. Not believing in God's presence through someone else's story shows stubbornness and a lack of faith. To think that God is not moving in other places outside of us is stubborn. It could be very self-serving. And it may reveal just a lack of faith. So the reason they missed it was why? The reason they missed him prior to that moment was why? It says it there in 14. It's because they were stubborn. He rebuked them for the lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. I think if we could peel, you know, the layers back on our lives and we were to really look at the areas of faith that we struggle with the most, or even the areas that we're just struggling and needing God to intervene in the most, if we were to peel back the layers and we would look at the real intention of our heart, a lot of the time we are just so stubborn and we are refusing to see him. We, we convince ourselves time after time that we're really seeking him when we're not. And, and we dig our heels in to the way God wants to reveal himself to us. And we miss him time after time after time. And I think a lot of times, I can speak for myself, a lot of pl- times I just play dumb. And I know God wants this piece of me, but I'm too afraid. Or I, I'm too, I'm afraid if, if that happens, then this is going to happen. Or it's going to lead to more and I, I can't give any more. And then that next thought there simply is that God often gives evidence of his presence through someone else's story. I think learning to value God moving in the lives around us is really important. I think that's part of biblical community. But to see him working in someone else, to me, is such an encouragement. It actually increases my hope. And it may expose my stubbornness. It may expose my refusal to believe. 
So verse 19, we'll jump down there. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to him, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out. Now they changed their tune, right? Completely changed their tune. The the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. That last point there is, is this. We have to learn to see the evidences that accompany his work and his word, not ours. His work by his word. How do you know in your life when God is moving, you've seen him, you've affirmed him? What, what does it look like? What is it, if, if God's ever moved, what did it feel like or what did it look like? Or what did you see in your life? You saw beyond you? What else? The evidences of faith, evidences of his movement. What else? Yeah, you'd make this. I, I, think, I, I think there are certain decisions we make that we would never do. And then there's really, there's gospel decisions we would never do without the cross. And the ones you, you can't undo. They're the things that change you forever. You see, you see decisions, you see empowerment, and you see movement towards something you would never dream of doing prior to Christ. What else do you see? What are the evidences of him's movement in your life? Yes. Yeah. Scripture that says that peace that goes beyond understanding, all understanding. Has anybody ever felt that? You ever had something incredibly tragic happen to you and you should just be ripped to shreds? And you are, but somehow there's this calm. I think that's a gift of God. What else? Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. Really? Awesome. Hmm. Sounds like that's a big story. Hmm. I think you guys are hitting on something that you did better than the first service on. Many times we might want to slip into, oh, you're just going to feel just happy and goodness and peace and joy and all this. But I got to be honest with you. Most time God moves in my life, it brings some tension. It almost always confronts my own selfishness. It almost always brings you to something that you got to give something up or sacrifice or it's going to change the way you get to do this or the way you get to live or whatever it may be. For me, I would argue that you can always be sure when God's there, there's tension there. Somehow we find the peace in that tension. We find that peace that surpasses all understanding. But he's almost always working in these crazy, crazy moments. And Jesus told us, he said stuff like, in this world you will have trouble. Yet take heart, for I have overcome the world. He told us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. He told the early disciples that blessed are you when people persecute you. He tells us that he will never take us to a place where that we can't stand up under it. So even if we think we're done, he's going, I know you got more. Hang on. He's doing something. So they went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them. So 
where he wasn't with them and they didn't see him. He was revealing himself to everyone else and they refused to believe. Now he came face to face and it changed everything. Worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I already say the point. We have to learn to see the evidences that accompany his work and his word. I, I just think that Jesus was preparing the disciples in this moment. I think he intentionally showed up to people that weren't them first. I think they were learning to be able to see Jesus when they couldn't see Jesus. I think that's one of the hardest tasks of a disciple is to see him when you don't see him. And so your journey, your story, where are you right now? You don't see him. And you need to. Where do you need answers? Where do you need hope? Where do you need more faith? Where are you confused? Where are you frustrated? Where are you just at the end of your rope? Identify those things. And here's what I encourage you to do. Today, as we take communion, we always take communion at the end of the service. Um, as, we, as we sing, we invite people, you come up, take the bread, dip it in the cup, go back to your seats. You can stay where you are and pray. You can stay where you are and sing. It's a free time of doing whatever God you want to do, whatever God puts on your heart. But here is what I'm going to ask you to do today. Wherever you are, will you just tell God that's where you are? That's what it means to confess something. It's not to surprise God with something. He already knows. Will you, will you tell him, God, I'm being so stubborn about this right now. Will you confess that? Will you confess where you refuse to seek him? Will you confess where you're looking for your answers and not him, his? Will you confess, will you just tell him you're confused and you're frustrated and you don't know what to do? Will you just present that to him? Don't look for answers, look for him and see what happens in that. That's what I challenge you to do in this, in this moment. And the Lord worked with them. He says, when you abide in him, he will abide in you. There's nothing we can accomplish separate from him. Let's spend this time doing that, of just searching for him, not just the answers, and just an honest confession of whatever you're feeling and whatever's keeping you from doing and going where you need to go. Let's pray.